Hello and welcome to the Gold Podcast. I'm Helena Beer, the editor of Gold, and I'm delighted to be bringing you another great edition. Last week, we did mention that we'd be taking a week off from our schedule due to the double bank holiday in the UK for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations. But with an interesting topic up our sleeves, I thought I'd slip this episode into the mix. As I speak, my golden EMJ colleagues are sharing a good old British picnic, an indoor one, even though it's lovely and sunny for once, and I think that somehow makes it even more British. Um, I do hope they save me a slice of cake. I'll be joining them again soon. But on with the episode. Recently, Jade Williams, one of Gold's content and editorial assistants, caught up with Natalie Yeadon, the co-founder and CEO of Impetus Digital. It's a company focusing on virtual engagement and helping life sciences companies have ongoing conversations with their customers through online collaboration tools. Natalie herself started her career as a radiation therapist treating cancer patients before moving into pharmaceuticals, and her career spans multiple pharma functions and therapeutic areas. In 2008, along with colleague Janice Smith, she co-founded Impetus Digital in Toronto, Canada, and the company has since expanded its reach and influence across the globe. Natalie contributed to Gold's recent feature on gamification, which will be linked in the show notes for your reading pleasure. And Jade wanted to dig deeper into Natalie's expertise to really understand how pharma can embrace this emerging technology, both within organisations for optimising virtual company culture and collaboration, as well as externally in improving patient treatment adherence. It's a brilliant listen and one that I think all pharma executives should get something out of. Something tells me we'll be hearing a lot more about gamification in pharma in the future. But for now, it's over to Jade and Natalie. Hi, Natalie. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, perfect. So for those of you that don't know, I collaborated with Natalie for my article Getting Into Gamification for the 21st issue of Gold, in which she provided some just amazing commentary on the industry and advice for companies looking to implement gamification strategies into their processes. So today I wanted to ask Natalie a bit more about gamification and just delve into her own career within pharma. So to kick things off, I do want to say, after an impressive 18 years of working within the pharmaceutical industry, what pushed you to create your own company in the space? Well, it's really interesting. Um, when I was in the pharmaceutical industry, as you've mentioned, is I had great relationships with physicians. We used to do this thing called advisory boards, where you basically brought a group of physicians together. You would meet for seven to eight hours. A lot of times it was at a, some wild and wonderful place uh, at a conference somewhere exotic. You spent a lot of money on food and transportation and you, you know, had these great conversations and you asked for a lot of great insights from your customers. Now, I found that when we were doing those sorts of events that um, despite our best effort, a lot of the follow-up never really happened with those physicians. Oftentimes after that big meeting, I had to jump onto another plane or start preparing for another presentation. And so I was never able to get back to people and said, wow, that was a really great insight. This is what we're doing with it or ask them further questions. So with these really important influential key opinion leaders, I was maybe seeing these individuals maybe once a year and vice versa. They weren't really seeing me very often as well. So from that get go, it always appeared to me that there was something wrong with the system these very one-off, very single interactional type of meetings or interactions were not really helping me to build 
the authentic relationships that I wanted to have with my customers. So when I actually left my last position as a marketing director, um, I met up with my business partner, Jana Smith, and we really felt that we could fill this gap for relationships, for insight gathering by leveraging some best-in-class technology, which really gave gave way to the birth of Impetus Digital. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear. I do feel like we've kind of gone into my next question a little bit, but could you explain to the audience what exactly Impetus Digital does and why its services can be beneficial to the pharmaceutical companies of today? Absolutely. So Impetus Digital actually provides some of the best-in-class asynchronous and synchronous virtual collaboration tools. As I was mentioning, we have built some of the most comprehensive tools in the market that are virtually based. So for example, when we were meeting people in real life or IRL, we were used to being able to stand in front of whiteboards, in front of our teams, in front of our customers, be able to draw things and print things and brainstorm and put sticky notes all over the place. And we have these great tools to be able to express ourselves and to share. When the pandemic happened and we're now we were in this virtual place, all we were really used to were things like email. And we didn't find that we had the tools to be able to effectively express ourselves, to share our opinions, and to be able to collect those opinions from other people. So that's actually where Impetus Digital came in. We have been building over the years these really best-in-class tools, everything from insight exchange, insight mapping, insight annotator, really impressive tools that allowed people without a lot of training, a lot of not a lot of tech savviness, tools that are really intuitive and easy to use, just turn on your computer or use your phone and come in and start working, annotating documents, um, moving tool pieces and idea pieces around on these mapping tools to do things like uh, developing treatment pathway profiles or even patient journey maps. All kinds of other things like, uh, and I I know we're going to get into this, but gamifying a lot of ideas that we're sort of used to drawing on a blackboard or on a whiteboard. So we potentiated people's ability online to be able to express themselves in a way they've never been able to do before. So it became intuitive and easy. And so through a series of these touch points, either asynchronously, which means that you're not doing it in real time, you're doing it through these tools. People can log into into a platform using their phone laptop or, or an iPad um, at any time on any device that's really convenient to them um, over a two-week period. So people can actually answer questions. They can interact with their colleagues. They can use la- language translation. So it, it actually crosses all language barriers, time barriers, geographical issues, and we can work with people globally. So they can actually respond and, and do this asynchronously with their colleagues. Or conversely, we can have touch points that are synchronous where you're actually having real-time interactions. People are actually virtually showing up in a meeting and we can actually do a whole bunch of really engaging things in those synchronous meetings. And when we piece those things, asynchronous and synchronous touch points over a six to 12 month period, we call that an impetus putting together a longitudinal expert engagement plan. So a series of four to six to eight touch points over the course of time on a variety of topics using a variety of our tools So people are going in and out, in and out through a series of touch points, building relationships, building momentum around ideas, strategies, and tactics, and pulling out some really incredible insights for the companies to use in their plans. That does sound amazing. And I imagine it's a much better way to build company relationships and intra-work relationships going beyond just emails and Zoom meetings, because I I think we can all attest to the fact it does get a little tiring sometimes. So it's nice to see a little bit of change in the day-to-day. Absolutely, for sure. 
So could you explain to us some best practices for optimizing virtual company culture and sort of enhancing that internal team collaboration through gamification? Absolutely. I mean, what's really interesting about the impetus example is our company from inception has always been virtual first. I think we've been hearing a lot of things as of late, especially since the pandemic. We've heard a lot about issues around the great resignation. We've seen this as a global movement where people were sort of asking themselves the questions. They were doing a lot of self-reflection. Where do I want to work? How do I want to work? And the virtual piece has really come up for a lot of folks. But Impetus has always been virtual first. We have, my business partner, Janice Smith, and I have had to really think about developing company culture virtually from the very get-go. And so we have been able to establish leveraging several different kind of technology platforms, communication platforms, project management platforms, to be able to continue dialogue and conversation in a fun and interactive way. So for example, we do a lot of things like friendly competitions in our team. So we use some of our, like something like a Slack channel where we've embedded APIs and various other integrated interoperable um, sort of apps and things like that, where there can be things like points and leaderboards and we can do prizes. Um, For example, if we're trying to get people to do maximize social media engagement, or we're trying to incentivize certain types of behaviors or enacting some of our company values in a regular basis that we want to practice in the company. And so we'll set up these leaderboards and get people to to participate. Um, We also use some of these things where we can do things like games that are aimed at getting to know each other. So there's actually apps out there that you can integrate in some of your communication platforms, either through G Suite or through Slack or other kinds of platforms that you might be using. Um, It's just things like learning fun facts about team members. Who are they? Where did they grow up? We even do things like how tall are you? Because people haven't met you virtually. Um, So things like that. We also, as I was mentioning, a lot of really web-friendly apps and integrations um, with, you know, as I was mentioning, surveys, polls. We also do things like automated coffee chat organizations. There's actually apps that will integrate so that it'll organize two different people that have never really met each other in the company to get together over a virtual coffee chat. And so people can meet each other virtually. They can actually have a coffee or a tea and just get to know each other. And there's time that they can insert into their time of day, into their workday to be able to do that. So um, there's also ability to do things like team pulses, where you're getting almost like a net promoter score internally about team happiness factors and, and what's sort of happening with that. And Impetus, we've also done a lot of things like virtual trivia games. We've done scavenger hunts and all kinds of team competitions. Uh, wellness is a really important value at Impetus. So we've also done things like wellness cha- uh, challenges where people are doing all kinds of Zen yoga things and other sorts of things as well. And we've also done these challenges for special occasions. We have a green team at Impetus. We're really, really big on sustainability and being aware of our carbon footprint. And so we've done a lot of team activities and competitions with prizes during Earth Week as well. Uh, Our team also engages in a lot of virtual happy hours. We do things like games and breakout groups, and it's a lot of really fun competition. And then there's things like virtual uh, gift cards or Starbucks cards or Amazon cards. So people are incentivized to participate and really look forward to it. So lots of really fun things, including online newsletters where we, we highlight employees. So I have to say being online is not a torturous thing. It's absolutely wonderful. And you can have a really, really engaged virtual uh, company um, as well. Yeah, that all sounds great. Could 
those methods be used to keep key opinion leaders engaged as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a lot of really interesting things that um, pharma has been using and we use in both our synchronous and our asynchronous uh, tools. Um, we've actually used, uh, you know, for example, during virtual or hybrid events, we will start integrating things like virtual scavenger hunts. This is this may seem kind of intu- counterintuitive. I know a lot of times people come up to us and say, well, you know, we're dealing with gastroenterologists or specialists and they're really serious and, you know, or, 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 you know, or oncologists. So again, we always make sure that we cater some of these games or these engagement tools to the audience and to the nature of what's happening. So we we're very cognizant of making sure that the taste and tone works with whatever subject matter and with the audience that you work with. So that's really, really important that you consider that, but there are really fun things that you can do before, during, and after either a synchronous or an asynchronous meeting. So if it's synchronous virtual scavenger hunts, if it actually is conducive to the topic, you can get people, for example, if they're doing, for example, something online and they have to actually find information or you're getting to them to work in a, ver- in a in a place where there's an online event or where there's exhibits or what have you all online, you can actually plant Easter eggs in various areas and incentivize people to go to different areas to either network, to go to an exhibit booth, or to find other kinds of information and come back and, and incentivize it. So people get a little bit more limber, if you will, in the technology space and getting more familiar with doing online virtual events. Um, and so um, they think that's actually a lot of fun. We can also incentivize participants to attend specific sessions with speakers, either with sponsors. There can also be point systems, and there also can be virtual leaderboards, awards, prizes, and these can be very, very effective. Um, sometimes we can actually have these online games, so Jeopardy style competitions or other sorts of games, and people can actually find themselves in virtual party rooms, maybe at the end either of a synchronous virtual meeting where they can get together, they can actually share in a drink, some networking can also be some one-on-one breakouts as well too. So lots of really interesting things that can be done with this. Um, Online with the asynchronous, we can build in quizzes, challenges. We oftentimes build in what we call brain breaks. Um, So these are kind of a fun way after a specific, really serious series of questions where you can actually have people stop to do a brain break. Um, And so it's really kind of fun. Even with our synchronous meetings, when you're having a meeting and you're trying to reach consensus or you're having a speaker or a moderator trying to pull out ideas from people, we can actually have people break out into smaller breakout groups. We can also add things like filters in the background. So it's kind of fun. We can add uh, interesting backgrounds, either themed backgrounds or specific logoed backgrounds. We can add polls, word clouds, and all kinds of other ways to gamify the session. Um, and even some of the breakout sessions, we can start using things like whiteboards. We've even used some of our insight mapping tools. So some of our asynchronous tools in the synchronous meetings so that we can gamify things like SWOT analyses, which sometimes can be really boring if you're just drawing on a board. But we're using some of our fun tools. People can actually be working on it at the same time to start developing some of the things like treatment pathway profiles, patient journey maps, or start giving annotations or ideas about a new website or how a new patient education material will look. So there's a lot of really cool things that we've done internally that you can also use with some of your customers as well. That all does sound amazing. You sort of touched on the patient aspect there within that. And within my piece, Getting Into Gamification, you spoke about the benefits of games for improving patient treatment adherence. Could you expand on some of the techniques companies can use for this? Yeah, I mean, absolutely is, 
you know, there's a lot of, you know, this is a major concern, as you can imagine, for anybody trying to give either, um, a, you know, a chemical entity, you know, a, a treatment or biologic or, or anything else for that matter. Um, and even nowadays, to be honest with you, physicians and other people are, are also prescribing um, medical devices that are apps. Um, and so there is a certain requirement, if you will, for, you know, based on the clinical studies that these drugs or these, you know, these um, software as a medical device were built on is they need to be used in a certain fashion, either you know, a specific particular dose or frequency. And we all know that after a certain period of time, people forget or they just stop taking it or, or what have you. So adherence is a huge thing. Now, what's really interesting about gamification is um, we realize that in the gaming world, for example, in 2020, the gaming industry generated, I think of it was like something like $155 billion, right? Um, but what's really interesting is the pandemic really accelerated games. In fact, I think it's moving upwards of like $550 billion now. Like it's just this gigantic jump. And we realized that the pandemic was an accelerant for games because people were at home, they were isolated, they couldn't go out, you know, to hang out with friends, for example, if you were younger, and even when you're older, you still couldn't do that. So games became, you know, and same thing with movies and other things. But, um, but I will tell you that even with the movie and mu music industry combined is the gaming industry just surpassed all of that. It's just, it was unbelievable because people were, because it was interactive and especially with the advent of artificial reality or sort of augmented reality and virtual reality. So AR and VR, this just blew things through, you know, really, really made it mainstream. So with the, the whole idea around health, you know, gaming has really become part of the mainstream. It's become part of people's psyche. It's what they like to do. Gaming it has been related to is something that's very relaxing. It takes it takes down some of the seriousness, if you will, um, of your condition or of your situation. Um, the other thing as well, too, that's really helped with the gamification around adherence is that when the pandemic happened as well, we saw a decentralization of healthcare. Um, meaning at one point when you wanted to go see a physician or you had to have some sort of an intervention or you were participating in a clinical trial, you had to go to a physical building. You had to go to a hospital or an institution, or you had to go to an infusion clinic. Now what we're actually saw with the pandemic is that all stopped. In fact, there was almost like an immediate moratorium on clinical trials <clears throat> until a lot of the sponsors and the companies had to rethink their, their endpoints, the ways that outcomes were being reported. And so we started to see a lot of use of things like mobile apps, wearable devices, voice activated technology. So they were leveraging this um, so that they could actually do participate not only in telemedicine and doing some of the reported outcomes with their physicians, but also for clinical trials. Now, all of this was also being help, helpful in terms of remote monitoring on what people were doing in terms of taking their medication or taking their treatment. So these things like the mobile apps, reminders, Fitbits, um, fitness trackers, all of these things were actually helping not only you know, which was accelerated by COVID, but um, really made a difference for people in terms of reminding them to take their medication. Now, the other thing as well, too, is when you started to add social to these apps and social to some of these smart watches, you were having, <clears throat> for example, your caregivers or friends or potentially other people that have the similar condition that you've let into your sphere you could start competing with people. We saw that actually with fitness trackers, where how many miles did you run? How many steps did you take? 
And now these leaderboards kind of incentivize people to do certain things, to incentivize certain behaviors, um, motivational apps, even competitions with yourself. So how did you do versus, you know, last week and sort of like little badges and all that sort of stuff really helps incentivize behaviors like pill taking. So we also saw that um, with the whole thing around apps and fitness trackers and smart glucose meters and things like, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, being able to have things like blood pressure cuffs, all of these things help to incentivize certain behaviors, but more important adherence to whatever it is you're taking. We found that incentivization is a huge piece of helping to unravel some of this complex issue around adherence. So even payers, private payers were getting into the game. So things like health gifts and tools. So for example, if uh, you did certain things or actually took your medications in a certain amount of time, sometimes patients were incentivized with getting things like smartwatches or blood pressure cuffs. Um, and also things like discounted paramedical services or uh, reductions in the drug co-pays. So everybody is sort of pitching into this whole gamification world to incentivize people into positive behaviors, pill taking, adhering to protocols, also getting into preventative maintenance measures. So not going into a sick care model where you're reacting to certain diseases or conditions, metabolic syndrome, all kinds of other things, diabetes, but getting into a preemptive, proactive, preventative mode where you're actually increasing fitness, sleep, um, eating, um, you know, exercise, all those sorts of things so that you can actually prevent some of these diseases from happening. So gamification has just exploded in healthcare. And I'm very, very excited to see where virtual reality and augmented reality are going to expand this, this world even more. Yeah, 100%. And I can imagine as well with sort of slow implementation of the metaverse as that comes through over the next few years, I'm quite interested to see how pharma really implements these methods. Well, I mean, these are going to be huge as well, too, because I mean, we're starting to see things like, you know, chatbots. Um, we've seen this actually with, you know, various uh, tools like a, there's a company called Replica where you're basically building an online friend. Um, and, you know, chatbots that are involved in cognitive behavioral therapy. And, you know, again, with the with the COVID-19, but just a huge explosion in understanding about mental health conditions and disorders is having some of these virtual friends, um, robots, you know, talking chat bots that are really kind of delving into this. And now that if we start to look at the explosion of augmented reality, being able to use your phone and use an app to actually make something look like it's coming live or coming real. So kind of adding an element, maybe even the inclusion of things like um, holograms of a physician. And as you start to step into the metaverse and start adding, you know, smart glasses and of course, headsets, virtual reality headsets, getting into a place where you can almost look like you're having some sort of an intervention or you're having some sort of a, an, an examination or evaluation, this is going to really completely change the advent of where care is given, who gives care, and also removing any of issues around global borders, um, geographies, you know, even language. So it's just, it's just going to be absolutely exciting to see what, what gamification is going to do in healthcare. I agree. It's pretty amazing to see where technology's brought us in such few years. And I'm pretty excited to see what's around the corner as well. In your opinion, for these future gamification pros, what are some of the first steps that pharma companies should take when they approach gamification for themselves? 
Um, you know, I think uh, what's really going to be important as a very first step is you really have to get a, a, a massive understanding about what your relevant stakeholders really need and want. So, you know, again, needs assessments. These can be done in a myriad of different ways, but now with virtual tools and surveys, these can be done directly by the sponsors or the pharmaceutical companies. And there's so many different platforms that can be leveraged, patient advocacy platforms. Um, there's a whole slew of these different ones that can be leveraged to actually do polling and surveys, finding out what people are saying, what are caregivers doing, how do physicians want to be involved with this, and what about nurses, et cetera. So really understanding um, from a needs assessment. Um, and I think once you have an idea about your product, about competitors, about the space, about the marketplace, um, what what does it really matter to somebody with, for example, who's a cancer patient or rare disorders, rare, who has maybe somebody who has a rare disorder, or even something just as commonplace as diabetes or something else is, what is an obstacle? What is an issue? What is, what is a, a great outcome as it relates to from a patient perspective? And then from there, brainstorming on what could be gamified. Taking some of the stuff that's really serious, really mundane, really redundant, and finding out if there's something fun that can be done around that. Like, for example, the amount of activity each day or, or when and how you're taking your pill. Um, for example, maybe adding some augmented reality so it's actually fun doing that or something that speaks to you or something that beeps at you when you took your pill um, and really kind of helping with that whole thing to make something that's really redundant. And it's what I would call inintentional blindness. When you actually do something over and over and over again, or for example, the great experiment is if you keep tapping yourself on your, like, you know, on your forearm, forearm as an example, just over and over and over again, what happens is your body just shuts off and it doesn't feel it anymore. Very similar thing happens to us when we actually keep doing the same activities over and over again, we become blind to it. So we need to actually use gamification to sort of change the trajectory, change the the environment, what it feels like or does. So it always says something can remain top of mind and become something that you're conscious that you're doing. So we also need to make sure that we research potential suppliers and vendors um, with a healthcare background, life, ex life science experience. It's really, really important. Sometimes you'll have a lot of these sort of consumer-based electronics companies that want to get into healthcare who don't necessarily understand the you know, environment of HIPAA being a regulated platform, making sure that you're secure first, GDPR and pharma compliance. So really making sure that the people that you're working with are truly conversant with the verbiage, um, with being really patient centric, with the phrasing and messaging and, and really understanding what that environment looks like. Then the next thing I think pharma really should do is really ensure that there's an interoperability uh, with the devices and with the information and with the games and whatever technology you're applying and making sure that it's super easy and super intuitive for caregivers and healthcare providers both to participate in and to help to be using as for monitoring um, and ensuring that, you know, for example, if there's things that you can integrate with telemedicine, with maybe some other apps or things with um, electronic medical records or what's being used in the actual hospitals or physicians offices and ensuring that there's an opportunity for uh, games for education and other sort of integrations with the other digital devices that either patients or their caregivers, or even their care providers are using so that there's things like ambient biometric tracking. It's being done invisibly through some of the tools that they're already using on a day-to-day on a -day basis. And the last thing I would just sort of suggest to pharma companies is that when they're building these games and when they're building this technology, is that you are really building an environment and a team, um, because a lot of times we're sort of in, embroiled in this sort of legacy infrastructure about how we do things, 
that there's that there's an innovation mindset, that there's a leadership mindset in the company to be able to develop regulatory internal approval systems so it's quick, it's it's pithy and it's fast. And we're not waiting for things to, to really happen. And when it, something becomes dire and it, it just becomes old and useless. And really at the end of the day, through the whole process, not just at the very end, you need to be constantly gathering continuous feedback. So just like any software that's being developed, it's sort of, it's it's a continuous development as opposed to a one and done would basically software is too old because you're, you waited until it was perfect. You need to sort of build prototypes, put it out there, gain feedback, and then change, modify. Um, and then constantly involving people. We do this oftentimes with the Impetus Insight platform when we bring stakeholders in via virtual online advisory boards to be able to help companies building their games, building their plans, and then constantly iterating and and, um, redeveloping. That sounds amazing. And I 100% agree with you. Feedback at the end of the day is king, and you're not going to know what your client really wants unless you're hearing from them from themselves. Absolutely. Uh, so sort of to sum up the whole interview, thank you for being here, by the way. How would you suggest companies retain their human touch in an increasingly tech dependent world? Such a great question. We, you know, I'm sure you hear this a lot, too, in any of the articles that you write on gamification and technology in general. The number one concern that always comes up is, is, is this going to replace physicians? Is this going to replace the human touch? you know, is healthcare going to become one giant robot? And, you know, am I just going to become a cog in the wheel? Um, I think that, you know, with all of this said is, although there's this immense growing role of using advanced technologies like artificial intelligence, machine learning, smart algorithms, you know, we're even seeing things like blockchain using um, this great technology so that we can really determine the sources of, of data, potentially monetize it. There's all kinds of really exciting things going on with that and interactions between customers and their vendors. But we always have to re- realize that technology has to be seen as a supplement and not necessarily as a replacement for the human experts that we have built over time. Um, although we do see things like, you know, all kinds of smart technologies potentially replacing like diagnostics or people who are radiologists or even ophthalmologists in terms of being able to detect or even dermatologists being able to detect skin lesions and various other things. These are really just tools to help so that we can actually use real human beings who, you know, because really at the end of the day, AI algorithms can't really build in the nuances. It's it's the complexity of a human conscious brain that enables us to see the gaps, the inaccuracies, the what I would call the nuance, or in other words, the je ne sais quoi between the meaning or the meaning between the words. And if a machine is not taught all of this, and it's also built in sometimes some of the bias, we need a real human being to dissect that, to think about options, and to be able to make a really, really smart recommendation. Um, over time, I think that when we talk about, you know, super general, you know, art of, you know, intelligence, but we're very, very far from that right now. And so we really need humans on this. Um, we also need to make sure that real people are, are giving that human touch. At the end of the day, humans need to be around other humans, to speak to them, to speak to their heart, to stroke a hand to pat the back of somebody, you know, on their back, um, human touch, human um, interaction and human voice. So we need real coaches, real therapists, real healthcare providers to support games, the tools, the the APIs, the algorithms. Um, and we need really to use AI to do the baseline work and keep the people for the empathy piece, the real human connection and the belonging. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Natalie. It's been great to talk with you and I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do in the future. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. I thoroughly enjoyed that in-depth discussion on gamification and it was great to hear about its impact on improving patient adherence especially. We've got a great article coming out on adherence in the next issue of Gold which delves into unconscious biases held towards medicine and medical devices. So do be on the lookout for that on publication day the 23rd of June. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's surprise episode. Thank you so much to Natalie for joining us and of course to Jade and the Gold team for all your hard work. Mark and I will be back next week with another brilliant interview. So do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out. Take care and it's goodbye from me. Mm